0: Nine,
1: eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. I'm constitutional attorney Katherine Henry, and welcome to this week's episode of Restore Freedom Weekly. Um, I'm going to uh, switch to a slightly different layout here so I can say uh, good morning to Liberty Laurie, who's <laughs> in Michigan right now. So uh, or good afternoon, I guess now uh, seven minutes into the afternoon. <laughs> uh, and let's see here. Um, Okay. All right. So just wanted to check in on the comments. Good morning, Jane on YouTube, who's also in Michigan. And um, we'll go ahead and get started today. So uh, we've been covering, in fact, in the in the questions and the comments so far, we had a request to go over Proposal 3, and the reason why you might have seen uh, that our topic today is Florida Proposals 1, 2, and 3, and Michigan Proposals 1 and 2, good, bad, constitutional, uh, is because we spent, I think it was the last two consecutive shows specifically focusing on um sorry not last week last week was um justices i believe uh that are uh, up for election all across the country but specifically in michigan and in florida Uh, but uh, the two weeks before that we focused solely on uh prop 3 in michigan and how horrible and insane it is thankfully there's no uh such insanity on the ballot for florida's uh proposed constitutional amendments this year And um, although uh, the other proposals have some concerns that are on Michigan's ballot this year, uh, they're not near as bad as what's happening in Proposal 3. So that's why we dedicated not one whole episode, but two whole episodes just to the evil and the deceit and the unconstitutionality of what is in Michigan's Proposal 3 this November. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to check out any of that, please make sure to do so. Uh, Check out, let's see, I I believe it would be episode 39 and episode 40. You can find those on our YouTube, Facebook, uh, you name it. But you can also go to our website and uh, do a search for Prop 3, Proposal 3, um, any of those, uh, episode 39 um, or just 39 those numbers, uh, because we're trying to make our website a one-stop shop for you to uh, be able to find not just the posts that you're looking for, or say the links or freedom fighting tools from Fridays, or uh, the way to get involved challenges from Wednesdays, uh, the Restore Freedom Goodies that Rachel uh, does a great job uh, doing videos about for us on Saturdays, or the Biblical Insight we post on Sundays, but also those videos that are Uh, What we're doing here, the Restore Freedom Weekly full episodes, Um, they're not going to be hosted on our website, but you'll see the link to be able to find those on YouTube if it was not censored off of there, Uh, or on Rumble if it was a uh, sensitive topic for the mainstream social media platforms, Um, and also the Podbean link so that you can catch that uh, particular episode just on a, a podcasting platform if you'd prefer to do that um but uh, also our constitution segment recaps are also available that way by searching just go to that updates tab uh in fact i think our search bar is actually so great you can just be anywhere on the website type in that uh, search bar that's at the top of the page with whatever keyword you're looking for and you should be able to find uh what you need now going backwards we don't have all of our videos and uh, episodes and things like that posted we've done well hundreds and hundreds of videos and uh, even just the videos connected to these episodes. uh, You know, there are several a week for 42 weeks now. So we're backdating those posts to our website and getting those backfilled and and on there so you could find things uh, as well. But at least the last several, uh, the election-related stuff is definitely on there. Everything at least, say, August, September, October is on there. So with that being said, Lori, I am feel it's one of those days, Lori, that I feel like, um, you know, I left the coffee pot on or something, which is so funny that that's the example that comes to my mind because I don't drink coffee. I <laughs> don't even have a normal coffee pot. We once we moved down here, my husband's work, they don't have a coffee machine; they just have a Keurig machine. So I figured, well, shoot, you know, I might as well just get a little mini Keurig thing at home. Uh, of course super cheap, like at a thrift store. Cause that's me. I'm fiscally conservative, uh, in every way possible. But, um, anyway, so yeah, it's hilarious to me that I think of that as the example, but it's one of those days that I feel like, is there a button I didn't click? Is there something I missed? We got our, we got our slideshow. Uh, we got the both of us showing. It looks like we're not muted. Um, Lori is, there, I feel like it's like one of those big things. Is there anything that i, I missed?
0: Not that I can think of. I saw us go active. We're active, obviously, on YouTube and Rumble. I saw a couple people viewing on there and then Facebook. Those are the ones I check. I'm sure we're on the rest. So we should be good to go. I can't think of anything that that we missed.
1: Okay. Good. Whew. Well, hopefully everyone Let's see Hurricane Ian, you know, if you walk around our, our neighborhood, you know, or our, our state, it's definitely still showing signs of Hurricane Ian. And certainly where my aunt lives, uh, or by Northport, you know, the Venice area, uh, Sanibel Island area, uh, they're definitely going to be seeing the effects of it for much longer than we are here, even though the storm lasted longer over here. Um, but, you know, God blessed us with, um, minimal flooding and minimal wind damage comparatively. Uh, so at any rate, um, you know, we had some weeks where we had no power. Uh, we, luckily the, the, our episode is on a Tuesday and we didn't lose power until the next day. Uh, so that was good. We, we had uh, full power at least for the, um, episodes. Of course that week we couldn't do our, uh, Constitution segment recap video, because I had no power, and no internet. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, we had internet struggles, what was it, a couple weeks ago when we were trying to uh, do episode 40. Uh, and then Melon hasn't been playing nice with us. We've switched over to Melon from StreamYard. But uh, anyway, I think we've got all those things. The coffee pot appears to be off, so to speak. So we're going to roll right into these important topics. Again, this is uh, Florida Proposal 1, 2, and 3, Michigan Proposals 1 and 2. Good, bad, constitutional? Those are really the questions everyone should be asking themselves. Uh, so here's the thing. We're looking at, like I said, the remaining um, proposals and the constitutionality. Now, sounds a little weird to say we're looking at the constitutionality of of constitutional amendment proposals well if it's voted on isn't it automatically constitutional if it's part of the constitution no and we'll go over that in just a moment i was about to get ahead of myself but um at any rate we have um these issues uh and there's a few more but these are the highlights and quite frankly i am at a character limit when it comes to writing the descriptions of the videos and i figure if i can't fit uh the full you know, keyword topics in a description of a video uh, with so many characters, I probably can't fit it into an episode. So if it's not seen here, uh, then we're probably not going to cover it today because it would make our video, uh, our episode here today, you know, two and a half or three hours, which I really don't want to do. So I love you all. I really do. And if we're in person, hey, you guys know me. I have been one to uh, to show up, ask to be, you know, to speak at an event, and uh, I start talking, and then I start answering questions. And you know, many of you that have been following my freedom fight at least, you know, since 2020 know that those those presentations can go three and four hours long and i don't even know it and all of a sudden i'm like why does my back hurt why am i thirsty and then i look at the time and i'm like holy crap we have to go home you know it's a four hour drive and it's already 11 o'clock at night uh, one of those situations so um let's see is that bill smith i can't see the name okay bill smith yeah. um bill smith says state constitutions are subordinate to the united states of america's constitution hundred percent since I'm also in homeschooling mode, I'd like to give you a big old fat sticker that says, great job. Well done. That is exactly the point we're going to underscore and hammer uh, a little bit later on. So, um, and, um, uh, just shout out to my buddy here. I hope this is not a residual Hurricane Ian thing because the Liberty Cause is located in Florida in my very own county. And, uh, well, we love liberty, so we want liberty to have internet, don't we? <laughs> so, um, all right, and uh, hello to Sharon on Facebook from Michigan, and um, yes, Jane. Uh, let's see if I could show that whole shows it pretty tiny, but uh, a young man essentially had just left my friend Jane's house, um, and he was asking her where he could get information on the proposals that are on the ballot. And she says he's totally in the dark about them like way too many people are. So that's been our goal. If you, Jane, if anybody else in Florida, Michigan, if you can help share the word, you know, quite frankly, if you're a follower that's not even in one of those two states, you share it. Uh, share these videos, share these uh, things on social media anywhere you can with friends, family, coworkers, people you go to church with, because... Uh, these issues do impact uh, our whole country, right? They're not just going to stay in the little box uh, known as the political you know, subdivision of the state of Florida or the state of Michigan. But also think about the way those stupid algorithms and all that stuff goes. Uh, even if you th- can't think of people that you know in Florida or Michigan, if you share and you're from New Hampshire or you're from Texas, I bet you're going to help educate at least one other person about Uh, what all that entails about the, um, you know, the information. It's going to push that information out. So somebody, just that one more person might be able to see it and go, oh, wow, that's cool. There's a whole video about Proposal 3. Yeah, let me check it out. And then they find out that way.
0: Uh, At the very least, watch the Constitution segment recap. At the very least. That at least gives you the very high Very slim highlights to how bad that proposal in particular is and
1: generally speaking our constitution segment recap videos are 10 minutes there was one week where i think i had to break it down into two 10 minute segments because we had so much going on in there but i think this week i might be able to get it done in 10 we'll see if i can rival the micro machines guy uh, from the 80s and 90s and just talk super fast like i'm an auctioneer but on we go um Lori, I did want to ask, I had seen a notification there was something in the other chat. Was there um, a question that came in from Rumble or Twitter or something? Because the, the, the chat is gone from that private chat.
0: I didn't have anything in the private chat. Oh, that is strange. But there there are about 10 people watching. So feel free to comment on there. I'm keeping an eye on the chat. Oh, I so have any questions. Yep
1: okay so yes specifically to those of you watching live on rumble right now please feel free to go ahead even though that doesn't pull the, the connection being rtmp and all it doesn't pull um uh over to our chat um you know unified chat that we can see from you know twitch and youtube and facebook and whatnot but um when Lori is able to watch that side too, she usually um, copies and pastes them into what's called our private chat. So I can read those comments and answer any questions that come up. So, um, uh, let's see. Um, There's an interesting thought here. I'm just gonna show it on the screen. Lori, can you help me remember to come back to this um, comment from the Liberty Cause? little bit later. Um, Or Mr. Liberty Cause, if you can um, even copy and paste your own comment (laughs) later on, you'll see where I'm going to get a little bit more into detail about that. All right. So these are, um, like I mentioned to you, uh, especially for those of you that are going to be listening. Oh, what did I do there? My bad. Why does it look weird? Okay. Well, at any rate, those of you who um, are going to be listening afterwards on one of those podcasting platforms. Uh, Yes, we are on all of your major podcasting platforms, not just Podbean, but Google Podcasts, Apple, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Deezer, uh, iHeartRadio, and many, many more. I can't even think of them. So uh, the topics that are found in these five constitutional amendments, between the three in Florida and the two in Michigan that we're talking about today, uh, include special property tax exemptions for certain public service workers, property tax exemptions for flood mitigation, abolishment of the Constitutional Revision Commission, term limits and financial reporting requirements for politicians, idealist voting. State funded voting conveniences. Yes, state funded voting conveniences. And indeed, Zuckerbucks, excuse me, private election funding. So, those are the topics that are literally on the ballot in Michigan and Florida this year that we are going to cover today. And I have no idea why that got all messed up. I apologize. Um, but this slide is interesting. So our question from our true or false post today is, as long as I fully read the official summary for each proposal on the ballot, I'm informed enough to vote on them. So I'm not talking about some sort of summary put out by some sort of special interest group or politician or whatever. I'm literally talking about the the official summary being shared by the secretary of state bureau of elections or what have you, um, by your particular state. And this is, this is not just a question for those of you in Florida and Michigan. Nope. This is a question for those of you all over the country. Uh, so as long as so true or false, as long as I fully read the official summary of each proposal on the ballot, I am informed enough to vote. On them, on those particular issues. Now, we'd love for you to participate in this. You can go to Twitter, uh, Telegram, LinkedIn, Truth Social, YouTube, see Lori, how I was smart enough to put those in (laughs) right into the presentation today instead of going, crap, where did we post these to? Those are the social media platforms that actually have their own polls built into the system uh, where we're active on. But don't forget, you can also go to com slash updates and you'll see the uh, link to do the... Um, um oh my gosh, true or false question of the day to participate that way just directly on our website, which means you don't have to have any, if you don't have social media logins, uh, if you don't have, if you're just watching on Rumble, for example, or even on YouTube and you don't have an actual account with any social media platforms because they're kind of sketchy, quite frankly, uh, we understand that. So you don't have to go on Twitter, Telegram, LinkedIn, True Social, or YouTube to answer those questions. You can actually just go to our very own website, participate that way, and uh, that's a poll you'll be able to See later on uh, if you you know it'll come up probably in some searches if you are searching for particular terms later on as well. So, all right. Uh, with that being said, we will answer that true or false question later on. But uh, this is a super important thing that kind of goes to um, okay. Um, all right. So Lori got his comment. Post or copied. We actually didn't make it as far as I thought we would. So I'm just going to go ahead and show it here that uh, the Liberty Cause, who is uh, one of my fellow Volusia County voters, um, says that state constitutions can, however, go beyond the, the US Constitution when it comes to enumerated rights. Actually, I'm going to say, and we have to clarify that because I'm pretty sure I know what he means, but we need to clarify that, but also even expand upon that. So when he means that they can go beyond, they can go beyond a state constitution, any state constitution, uh, any, any uh, charter, a city or county charter, which is essentially the uh, city or county, you know, township, whatever, village constitution, any of those can always go above and beyond in protecting your individual liberties, your God-given liberties, your uh, your enumerated rights. They cannot um, go beyond the U.S. Constitution in terms of uh, creating any kind of power or, um, uh, you know, whatever, uh, to government entities to act or any kind of restriction upon our rights, but what's more important, and this is the addition I wanted to make to his comment here, is that it's not just enumerated rights. No, they can state constitutions, local governments in their charters, they can make provisions that enhance or better protect what has um, otherwise been Uh, an unenumerated right, perhaps they are enumerating a right that remains unenumerated in the U.S. Constitution, or perhaps uh, they are just bolstering the unenumerated rights clause, say Article 1, Section 23 in the Michigan State Constitution that protects your unenumerated rights. Uh, Of course, Ninth Amendment in the U.S. Constitution. Uh, But if there is a particular, uh, um, you know, some states, and I I haven't, It's been two years since I've looked at all the state constitutions, which, yes, I have. I have looked at all 50 states' constitutions. Remember, D.C. is not a state. Um, But I uh, don't remember all the specifics, of course, of all those. So at some point, when we go into more of these details on things, we will go into that. But um, those uh, unenumerated rights at this point, at least in Michigan and Florida, don't have uh, specific protections, meaning... It just says yeah the government's job is to protect them but if if the state constitution or even a local government body wants to put into place specific protections Uh, with, you know, specific penalties or a cause of action or something that you could do specifically if somebody, if a government agency is violating your unenumerated rights, they could do that. They could say, hey, you know, you can bring any government entity or a government official into court uh, and sue for damages if they're violating your unenumerated rights. Well, that should be a given, but unfortunately our courts have been stupid and, and claim that there's a bar of standing and all this other garbage to that. So at any rate, those were the clarifications I wanted to make to his, um, his comments there. And let me see if I'm smart enough to. Um... Okay. So uh, you know what, Laurie, I don't, I think it was that the way that this program shows, it, it showed me that there were two new um, comments, but it was actually just in the stream that I was already viewing. So I was assuming that it went to. Um, it, it, that's
0: probably it, yeah.
1: All right, so uh, let's get back to the slide, which um, is the underpinning for what that comment was from the Liberty Cause that we were just sharing from our our fellow YouTube um, liberty lover here. But uh, the U.S. Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Of course, you can find that in U.S. Constitution Article 6. That means no federal law, absolutely no federal law, no state law, no state constitution No court order or any other government action can be repugnant to that U.S. Constitution. Any law, any state constitutional provision, even if elected into place, um, any court order, any government action that does uh, violate, violate or that is repugnant to the U.S. Constitution is void. It's void. It's it's as though it doesn't even exist. Our friend Rick Martin last week was helping us to remember about Marbury versus Madison. That um, further explains that point. Uh, And just another reminder here that all judges, all government officials are required to take the constitutional oath of office to uphold, to support, to defend. the Constitution, the U.S. Constitution. And of course, if it's a state official, they're also sworn to uphold the state constitution insofar as it is constitutional according to the U.S. Constitution. Uh, And so those constitutional oaths I have in the presentation, mind you, most of these slides and more will actually be available for you uh, when we release the, the slideshow presentation through our Thursday, Constitution Segment Recap. So especially those of you who are going to be listening later on podcasting platforms and not able to watch a screen right now, don't worry about that. You'll have that available later. But I do have that constitutional oath of office requirement uh, listed here, at least as far as the whole U.S. would be the U.S. Constitution Article 6. That's where it's required. Uh, But in the Michigan Constitution, you'll see uh, uh, Article 11, Section 1 in Michigan State Laws, you'll see it MCL 15.151, and Florida Statutes 112.311. Now, the, the constitutional oath is actually required in a bunch of other areas of, you know, court rules and state statutes and all that kind of stuff, not to mention in other state constitutions, but these are just the main ones uh, that would be mostly applicable to the vast majority of our conversations that we have. So Florida Proposal 1. Now this, again, all of these are proposals to amend the state constitution. So the first three that we're covering are Florida Proposal 1, 2, and 3, which are three individual, totally distinct proposals uh, suggesting or being asked of the voters if the Florida state constitution should be changed in this way. Uh, so Proposal 1 is a is, a proposal to amend the state constitution effective January 1st to authorize the legislature by general law to prohibit the consideration of any change or improvement made to real property used for residential purposes to improve the property's resistance to flood damage in determining the assessed value of such property for ad valorem taxation purposes. Oh my gosh, that's just the summary my word, what does the, um, the whole, uh, amendment actually look like? Well, the, here's the thing. Um, we all need to read them and, um, not sure if I can get any bigger, uh, myself. Let's see. Ah, it changed the buttons on me. I can't really get any bigger myself, but, um, Anyway, this is um, showing that it came to the constitution, um, came to the ballot via uh, a joint resolution by the legislature. It's one of the methods in Florida for getting a proposal for for amending the state constitution in front of the voters. Uh, And so that was essentially, you know, the summary uh, right here. And then there are nine pages of this particular um, amendment. However, uh, as it says down at the bottom here, and this is common, any words that they are planning to delete or take out of the state constitution by this constitutional amendment are stricken. They have a strike through line. Any words that are underlined are where they are planning to add words. Meaning, if a word like all of these words right here, uh, if if a word is not underlined and it has no strike through, that means they're not touching that word at all. So that's not really part of what's um, being amended or changed. But what they are required to do is to give it context. They can't just, if they're changing or adding, say, one sentence to a whole... Uh, portion here, they have to reprint that whole section. So you know how that one sentence fits in to the bigger picture. Same holds true um, with uh, Michigan as well. And and probably I would hope all other states, but um, so page two, again, nothing being changed, deleted, anything added page three, page four, page five, page six, page seven nothing. So this is not overwhelming, but what I would encourage you to do to make sure you are truly informed. And again, this is specifically to this one, of course, but even if you live in another state, I'm going to ask that if you go through and you print off or you pull up a PDF on the on the um, website that we shared with you in the last uh, recent weeks for where any of you can find any upcoming ballot measures that are going to be on your ballots this year. Uh, so you're pulling those up and you're looking at them. Uh, don't just gloss through this. What I would suggest you doing is that you read that official summary and then you skip any parts that are not underlined or it might be all caps. Some states put the changes in all caps or the the new parts in all capital letters, Uh, but usually it's underlined either way. um, So you look for those parts that are either uh, stricken through uh, all caps or all underlining. And then, so your eyes can jump to, okay, well, what's really changing? Then you read those specific changes. And then I would say, go back and then read that whole section again. So you're getting it fully in context. That's my suggestion. Is it going to take you a few more minutes? Yeah. But is our freedom at stake? Exactly. It's worth it. So uh, here with this prop one, I did pick up the right one, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, there is actually a part of the Florida State Constitution that I I didn't realize. Remember, guys, I'm not a Florida licensed attorney. I grew up down here. I lived here from 1987 to 2000 or 99 or no, that's not right. Anyway, at some point I lived down here for 12 years. <laughs> oh, can't can't do all the math all the time. Uh, and uh, and now we've been back for over a year. Uh, but I'm I'm haven't bothered taking the Florida bar down here. And I didn't go to law school in Florida. Although I didn't go to law school in Michigan either. I went to law school in Minnesota, but I know how to read the constitution. And because I'm a registered voter in the state of Florida, I am required to uphold and and defend the US Constitution and the state constitution. Just by registering to vote, you are required to sign the official oath, that constitutional oath. Isn't that awesome? anyway i couldn't believe i was like jumping for joy at the um uh secretary of state's office down here when i went to go register to vote last summer when we moved down here and i was like oh my gosh this is so cool it's a constitutional oath and everybody's like what the what's wrong with her um uh, but that was me i was super excited so um let me see you know for people that might need to lip read me Lori, is there a way that we can have your audio on and not your video until we're ready for you to. T- oh, sugar. Um, because last I week thought
0: that would drop me, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, wait, but I'm not any bigger. No, you couldn't hear me, could you? Um, dang, Should last time I hid from stream,
1: yeah. We can't, yeah, we can't, uh.
0: Why is it doing that?
1: I don't know, but it didn't make me any bigger. So that's fine. We'll roll with it. Uh, I I need lip reading to be able to hear people. That's, that's one of my main methods of communication. So masks forever changed how I can uh, properly um, communicate <laughs> with people in every single setting because um, now so many people still wearing masks. I. I'm often guessing at what I'm thinking they're saying at any rate. So I try to be cognizant of that. And uh, that's why, even though I absolutely hate having my picture or video or anything else like that taken, I want you to be able to see my mouth if you need to be able to read my lips. But uh, hopefully we're big enough on screen right now that you're still able to follow along with us here. So at any rate, this part of the Florida State Constitution and um, all that talking about how to find it. Um, okay. So it is changing, uh, two parts of the Florida state constitution, article seven, section four, and article 12, section 42. Article 12 is, is more of the, uh, the schedule. When does it take effect? So article 12 is pretty much irrelevant to what the substance of it is. It's, It's going to take effect January 1st if it is voted on. But, what's important is that article section, article section, article seven, section four, I guess say that three times fast, uh, already exists. So currently there are, um, they are not allowed to, when they're assessing your personal property, your your real estate, your real estate taxes for your house, right? So when they're assessing your value in order to set what your taxes will be, they are not allowed to uh, account for uh, any improvements made to a property's resistance to wind damage currently. Well, it's a hurricane state, so that makes a lot of sense. But apparently they never saw or had the foresight to include flood damage at the same time. So apparently whoever um, proposed this... um, addition at some point in the past with the wind damage forgot that hurricanes often cause a lot of flooding and that's what they're attempting to do here is they're attempting to say okay if you're making um you know and let's be honest okay let's let's back up for a second there was um there was there was a, a big period of time where I never thought I would leave Michigan I, I loved Florida but let's be honest, it's hot, right? So if you're not on the beach, it's unbearable many days out of the year. I grew up in central Florida away from a beach. I grew up in Orlando. It's stinking hot there and has way too many people. And that was even, you know, many, many years ago. We'll pretend a few because, you know, obviously I'm just like 21. Um, By the way, if you guys, any of you guys do know my son, or somehow you're friends with him on Facebook or whatever, on Insta or Snap or whatever he has these days. My baby boy turned 19 yesterday. And on uh, our Instagram and my personal Facebook page, I did share a a photo collage that I spent hours yesterday morning making because, well, that's what mommies sometimes do. I am about 19 years behind on my scrapbooking. So I figured the least I could do was do a computerized picture collage where I hand-selected, I didn't let Google Photos or any of those other programs do it for me. I hand-selected the most telling moments that I could find uh, video or or picture evidence of our uh, events in our lives uh, for the last 19 years with that baby boy of mine. So I wish that um, dirty blonde curly mop uh, some happy birthday please, if you do know him, and uh, and give him a birthday shout out on my Facebook or Instagram uh, if you uh, don't happen to know him, but you can comment on there. Okay, so with that uh, all being said, how did I get on Alex's birthday? Dang. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, so um, yes, talking about, okay, flood damage. Whew. There was a train. Don't know how that train got to that station, but it did. So here's the thing. When I was in Michigan and I thought, you know what? I grew up in Orlando. I grew up in hot, sweaty Florida. I like the seasons. I like to be able to see the leaves changing colors, which, by the way, where I was born and where my mom and grandma are right now. And my aunt and, you know, many, many family members in the UP of Michigan. Now, for those of you who are not from Michigan Michigan looks like this. The UP is this whole upper peninsula thing, right? So I was born not just on the upper peninsula part. I was born on the peninsula of the upper peninsula. Yeah. And that something. And technically I now live on a peninsula of a peninsula because I'm Beachside here in Volusia County, which is in Florida, another peninsula anyway. Um, I told my husband we should uh, we should build a peninsula in our kitchen instead of an island so we could be working on the peninsula, on the peninsula, in the peninsula. But uh, that is a Bruce or Dave dad joke uh, for you. My father-in-law, and my dad both get credit for my humor these days. But uh, hey, you didn't join me because I'm so, uh, so great with my stand-up comedy. So at any rate, with, with flood damage, uh, and wind damage, I remember seeing when, you know, even when in my earlier married years with my husband, that, you know, we were like, oh, what? you see all these hurricanes, you see all the damage, you know, you see just erosion from different things happening, even in Michigan. In fact, in Muskegon County and um in in parts of ottawa county which is where we lived uh when we were just in michigan most recently uh you see lake michigan having some big erosion issues and i'm thinking you know what those are like million dollar homes right you have vastly expensive properties that are just being eroded by natural sources like natural um things happening and so it's a problem and especially for the hurricanes it was like okay don't these people see it coming? Like who purposely moves to Florida? Who specifically purposely moves to uh, the coast knowing hurricanes are a thing, right? Let's be honest. If you've never lived down here, uh, maybe even if you have, but you live inland, you are judging those of us who have moved down here. Now, I will tell you that when I researched this area, those of you who know me know that I research everything, right? I think through what, Socks and underwear I have on better and more in more detailed coordination than a lot of people think about what college they're going to go to or what their first car they're going to buy is. So, at any rate, I researched every single area. I knew I needed to be on the beach. If we were leaving our beautiful community of Hudsonville, Michigan, if I was going to leave being on the board of Georgetown Township and on the um, Uh, being a a state committee woman for the Michigan Republican Party and all the other things that I was serving as and doing and people asking me to run for attorney general or governor or whatever of Michigan, if I was going to leave all that behind, I was going to damn well be sitting on a beach. (laughs) So, um, I researched every single area and not only did this community, uh, turn out to be really great, have a history of, of great, um, Things going on and and a good political history and all that other fun stuff, but it's, um, it's always been pretty secured from hurricanes. This is like this Hurricane Ian was like the worst hurricane to ever touch Volusia County as far as I know, as far as I've heard. Uh, But certainly in the last many, many, many years, uh, my house has been standing, my whole neighborhood has been standing here since 1949, and we haven't seen, these houses have not seen anything like this hurricane, at least for being parked right on top of us uh, as it touched back in the ocean and just sitting right outside of Daytona and Ormond Beach here uh, for a very long time. It's the worst we have ever seen. So my point is, uh, even people that have been prepared before now you know, maybe they need to step it up a notch. And if you could just barely afford to make those improvements, these aren't improvements like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, add this marble countertop or I'm going to put in this cool chandelier. No, you're going to be making improvements to fortify your home for wind and flooding mitigation. Many parts of Florida are still flooded. So what this is doing is saying, okay, (laughs) we need to um, allow people to not get penalized to have their taxes jacked way up because they made some improvements for flooding or wind mitigation purposes. Um, That's not biased at all. There's no kind of equal protection argument. There's nothing bad going on there. I'd love to hear it. If anybody, um, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I have to stop. I have to stop and share this. Yeah, up in the Upper Peninsula by Marquette, which was two hours south of where I'm from, just so you guys know, uh, they have a winter storm warning out since yesterday until 8 p.m. tonight. They are expecting 14 inches of snow or more. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I can't help myself (laughs) (laughs) i moved out of the snow i shoveled more snow and salted more ice than you would ever think of if if you're someone that doesn't know what that's like especially since we lived uh i've been in the up but i also lived on uh, the west side of michigan and we get that lake effect snow there and i'm telling you people when you have snow you know up to where you can't even open some of your doors without a big you know ton of snow falling in uh I've earned my stripes, so to speak. I can laugh on that point. Thank you, Sharon, for sharing that on Facebook. Um, But by the way, my mom and grandma are supposed to leave, I think, Wednesday night or Thursday morning from the UP and drive down here. So please pray for their safe travels, especially if they're leaving a winter wonderland already. Um, So, um, you know, Bill, uh, these are so long because I make them personal. And because I can relate to people and uh, I give people real life experiences, I'm not just some courtroom attorney who's going to sit here and give you the dry eyes guy presentation on this is this and then this is this and read this constitutional provision. Uh, I bring real life to it. So if this isn't your thing, by all means, man, don't join us. But if you're looking for an attorney who's a real live person who actually likes, uh, you know, interacting with people and keeping it real, uh, telling the truth as it is and uh, making things fully understandable, that's why you would come here. Again, if that's not your thing, fine. Uh, You can go somewhere else. But um, 39 degrees in Lansing. Oh, man. Anyway, that might explain why my Michigan Lori uh, has a sweatshirt on right now. But uh, anyway, um, so it is, it is one of those things, if you look through the Constitution, there's nothing that, before you vote on anything, you, what you really need to do is put the lens on of, start with the U.S. Constitution. Is, is the U.S. Constitution prohibiting something about this proposed state constitution amendment? that's the question you should be asking. And here, no, there's there's nothing that comes to mind about why, because it's not prohibiting uh, based on, uh, it's not protecting or prohibiting action by any class of people uh, to treat them separately than any other class of people. It's just trying to keep things affordable so that when you finally scrounge up enough money to make improvements for your home so that you are a little bit more flood and wind resistant for the next hurricane down here in Florida, that the property taxes wouldn't go right through the roof. So um, because of that, yes, Yes, this is how I plan to vote on Proposal 1 in Florida. And I would encourage you to do the same, although, quite frankly, it's not one of those things that it's like, you have to vote on this, otherwise it's not constitutional. No, that's it's still one of those things that, hey, if, if you don't think that should be uh, done, then by all means. Okay, so Proposal 2 in Florida uh, is, is uh, proposing an amendment to the state constitution to abolish the Constitution Revision Commission which meets at 20-year intervals and is scheduled to next convene in 2037 as a method of submitting proposed amendments or revisions to the state constitution to voters in the state of Florida. Uh, This amendment does not affect the ability to revise or amend the state constitution through any of the methods that are already currently in place. Now, let me kind of break this down a minute. So currently in the state of Florida, if you want to get uh a state a, a state constitutional amendment through the voters have to vote on it by at least 60 percent not a 51 percent thing like or 50.5 or whatever 50 plus percent plus one in the state of michigan no this has to be uh by 60 percent in the state of florida you have to get enough of those voters the majority of voters a simple majority to approve of any changes to the florida state constitution now, what are the methods? Well, currently, you can have this Constitution Revision Commission, which I'll um, explain in just a moment. You can have, there's actually the Taxation and Budget Reform Commission. Yep, two different commissions that have different, supposedly different purposes for bringing um, amendments to the voters for the um, possibly changing the Florida state constitution. You have legislative joint resolutions where both the Senate, and the House of Representatives in the state of Florida uh, vote jointly to send um, a uh, proposed constitutional amendment to the voters for the state of Florida. That's what these three are, I believe. Um, I could double check that really quick. Yes, all three of these came to voters uh, through the Florida legislature this year, not you know special interest groups or, or whatnot. Um, and... Um, uh constitutional convention is also a way that you can amend the, the state constitution in the state of Florida, also true for the state of Michigan. And uh, citizens' initiative. So citizens can still put together an initiative, get enough signatures, do all the steps to get a proposal on the ballot to change the state constitution on their own that way uh that's the same in florida and in michigan and that is something that should happen um well in every state but we learned a few weeks back in our um i don't remember what what episode it was but we did a whole uh, episode talking about um the proposals and things uh, i want to say maybe sometime in april And uh, so we talked about which states do allow citizen initiatives uh, to um, essentially bring about a change to your state constitution. So anyway, this doesn't change any of those methods. This is specifically just getting rid of that one way, that Constitution Revision Commission. So what is the Constitution Revision Commission? It is... um, I'm trying to get the um... ah! I had it all ready to go and highlighted, but where is it now? Um... Well, good gravy. I wanted to read to you guys. <clears throat> I guess it doesn't have it in the actual petition, which is weird. Um, Okay, so the Revision Commission, if you look at Florida State Constitution, Article 11, which is amendments to the Constitution, Article 11, uh, Section 2, you'll see that um, that section, that whole section is devoted to the Revision Commission, the Constitution Revision Commission and uh, they're supposed to meet every 20 years starting in 2017 to uh, propose possible changes to the state constitution. Now, who is on this commission? Well, it's the Attorney General, 15 members that are selected by the governor, uh, nine members selected by the Speaker of the House of Representatives, nine members selected by the President of the Senate, three members selected by the chief justice of the Florida Supreme court with the advice of the other justices. And uh, the governor designates one member as its chair. So the governor gets to pick who leads this uh, commission and, um, and there's some small other provisions, but that's who is on the commission. Now, okay, well, what's up with this? Um U.S. Constitution, Article 4, Section 4, we are guaranteed a Republican form of government. What does this have to do with the State Constitutional Revision Commission? Well, we are guaranteed a Republican form of government. That means that we elect our representatives. We, the people, retain ultimate control and authority. And as it has come up in uh, many other um Scenarios or instances, we don't give the legislature at a state or federal or local level power to create other legislators. We, the the legislators at any level, their power is legislative authority. It is to make the laws necessary to fulfill the obligations and duties of government via the U.S. Constitution. So, or state constitution so because we are guaranteed a republican form of government and so in the other contexts where we've talked about this concept before we've talked about for example uh, i want to say it might be week 37 we uh, were picking on state rep from michigan uh, current uh, state senate um, uh, candidate for michigan uh, michelle Hoytenga, and she is um she's the sponsor of a bill that uh, does some stuff to the DNR uh, laws. Okay. And so with the DNR uh, laws, essentially what they're doing is they're allowing the DNR to Department of Natural Resources. They're allowing the DNR uh, via this this bill that she has and a current law that, that's on the books that goes along with it. They essentially say, okay, DNR, you get to make up what the rules and regulations, essentially you make the laws on everything to do with natural resources, with hunting. Let's go with any hunting, fishing requirements. You guys set what the specifics are, what the reporting requirements are, how, what the limits are for hunting, who can get licenses, what kind of licenses you need, et cetera, et cetera right? They're allowing the DNR to just make all of that information um, on their own. Well, they can't do that. That's not constitutional because we didn't give the legislature the power to make more legislators to make laws. No, if the legislature wanted to make a specific law about something, they have to do it them themselves. That's how it works. Well, same holds true here. We don't elect a governor and uh, a state rep and a state senator and an attorney general to turn around and, uh, and a Supreme Court uh, chief justice. We don't elect all those people to put them into place to then turn around and essentially elect more people to do more things. No, that's not a Republican form of government. Each person we elect is supposed to go in there and do their own function not turn around and elect more people to do additional functions. No. So this is a huge uh, Article 4, Section 4 problem to have this kind of a board. Now, if you remember, I said there's also a Taxation and Budget Reform Commission. It's made essentially the same way. That also has the same problem. So both of those commissions are not constitutional, not constitutional at all. So I'm going to vote yes on Proposal 2, and here's the thing. This is unlike Proposal 1, where you could go either way and it's constitutional. you got to vote yes on Florida Proposal 2 this year if you want to support uh, and uphold the Constitution. If you're going to vote at all in this election, you're swearing your, um, your duty, your oath to defend the U.S. and Florida Constitution, via the requirements in registering to vote down here so you have to vote yes on proposal two to get rid of this unconstitutional constitution revision commission so what about three three is a little bit different um three sounds like it might be like number one but it does a few different things it is uh proposing an amendment to the state constitution of florida to let the legislature make laws that grant additional homestead exemptions for uh, non-school levies of up to uh, $50,000 of the assessed value of homestead property. So blah, 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 blah. It's, It's saying the legislature, if we vote yes on this, what that would mean is that the legislature in Florida can make special property tax exemptions for uh, basically increase homestead exemptions for real estate taxes here in Florida, but only doing it for, by the very wording here, classroom teachers, law enforcement officers, correctional officers, firefighters, emergency medical technicians, um, uh t- sorry lost my place paramedics child welfare services professionals active duty members of the u.s armed forces and the florida national guard members and this would take effect in january so is this one good or bad now the question and this is something that was a topic uh that was hotly debated in the u.s and state supreme courts all across the country as those lawsuits about covid regulations started and the main thing that was initially being argued then is, you know, it, w- this is the best for the community, right? That's what um, the, the the liberal side of the argument was. This is best for the community. This is best for the state or best for the country or best for all people. If we shut down things while we're handling the spread of COVID or if we require masks or require vaccinations or whatever, the the thing is... And one of the points that has been, you know, a piece of that case precedent for, you know, hundreds of years at this point, uh, but certainly something that I argued in the Michigan Supreme Court against the, you know, Whitmer's executive orders, is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what a particular, um, you know, person, uh, in that case, the state Supreme Court, it doesn't matter what they think would be prudent or best, or, you know, good for the people, that's irrelevant. Um, and, and I just occurred to me, I had some really great, you know, case precedent to share with you because the wording of it is just perfect. That explains it. It doesn't matter how pressing the exigency, the urgency might be. What matters is not that the, um, you know, what should have been or could have been in the Constitution. What matters is what is in the Constitution. So uh, even if this might have been Uh, If this is something that would be, you know, most people would think would be good, right? We need good quality classroom teachers. We need good quality law enforcement officers. We need good quality correctional officers, firefighters, EMS, paramedics, child welfare services professionals, active duty members of the armed forces. Yes, if you are serving your country you know, National Guard, um, Armed Forces, if you are serving your country, your country better damn well respect that service and that sacrifice that you make and that your family is making. Absolutely. But there are two big problems with this one. One is, in the reading, uh, the words that you see right here on the screen, if you're seeing it or that you'll see later um, in the uh, slideshow that'll be shared on Thursday, if you happen to be catching this in a podcast now and just listening, Those are the words, none of them are defined by this amendment, none of them. So what does, you know, who is a child welfare services professional? Is that me? I have served as a lawyer guardian ad litem and just as a lawyer for children and as a guardian ad litem without being the lawyer part. Um, I have served in all those roles. I've served as a, a child protection mediator. I've served in, in um, uh, you know, uh, IEP facilitator or special education mediator. I, I've served in so many roles relating to the welfare of children in two different states that I could I can't even think of all of them off the top of my head right now to say to you. So, and I'm going to continue representing the interests of children. Um, you know, we've talked about the Do Not Say Gay Bill. We've talked about Proposal 3 in Michigan, which is horrendous for child welfare. Uh, we've talked about a variety of things, and I'm going to keep fighting those fights um, in court and by educating you, members of the public, um, and, and other you know, ways. Am I a child welfare services professional? I would think so. I I am more trained. I have official official certifications and trainings for child welfare. I mean, shoot! If you guys can see in the background here, I got tons of books. Child welfare law and practice. You see that big? Wait, can I point at it? No, it's that one. <laughs> There's a red one right there. Um, the brown one is school law. Uh, I got lots. Of, I got lots of books um, specifically geared towards trainings that were given by. I've been trained by the Minnesota Supreme Court. I've been trained by the Michigan uh, S- uh, State Court Administrative Office, which is a branch of the Michigan Supreme Court. I've been trained and trained and trained. Uh, American Bar Association, Michigan Bar Association. Um, e- you know the uh, Ramsey County um, Guardian Ad Litem Program in in Minnesota. I mean, you name it. I've been trained and trained and trained uh, and I've, I've had, you know, many, many years of experience in this kind of work. Do I count? It's not defined. See my problem? Just see what I'm getting at here? Um, it's not defined. So it doesn't say, you know, what qualifies you. So do you have to work in one of those roles full time? Do you, can you be part time? Um, you know. How long it, can you just start that first day and then, oh, okay, I'm going to just start the job here so I can claim this exemption and I'm going to quit two days later once it's in place. Like, how does that work? None of that is written in. Now, there's already current problems. There's there's already current language in the Florida State Constitution that allow for some specialized exemptions like this that have the same kind of problems. Um, so the problems already exist in there, but adding this would make that problem worse. But what's another issue? I said there are two. Government's main purpose and responsibility is to protect our God-given liberties so that in my exercise of my rights, I'm not impeding upon your exercise of your rights. Well, with Florida's proposal three, not near as bad as Michigan's proposal three. And by the way, why do both these proposal threes suck? Because three is my favorite number. What a bad year for three to suck. But anyway, um, Equal protection. Yes, if that was something that was kind of going through your mind as I was talking about certain people in certain roles, there's a huge equal protection issue. The U.S. Constitution, you're going to find that in the 14th Amendment and Section 1 of the 14th Amendment. And in the Florida State Constitution, which is relevant here, I actually started with the Michigan Constitution included in there. I was like, well, this is actually a Florida Constitutional Amendment, so I guess don't need to leave the Florida or the Michigan Constitution portion in there, which, by the way, is still Article 1, Section 2. But Florida State Constitution, Article 1, Section 2, specifically says all natural persons, female and male alike, are equal before the law and have inalienable rights, among which are the right to enjoy and defend life and liberty and to pursue happiness, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Possess and protect property. That's one of these rights. So if all natural persons, male and female alike, are equal before the law, by doing this, we're saying, well, you're equal, except if you have one of these jobs, you can be a little bit more equal than others. And the liberty cause, ding, 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 creates a different class of of people with special privileges. That is exactly right. So, um, at any rate, yes, and Bill Smith's, perfect. I just, this was from a little bit ago now, I can't see the time, but it was a few comments back. I just saw this, more government by the government for the government. He's talking about uh, the Constitution Revision Commission and the Taxation and Budget Commission, uh, both in the state of Florida, that is exactly correct. More government by the government for the government. And that's why it's unconstitutional. And of course, those, uh, uh, as uh, Mama D, too too many three-letter agencies to get rid of them, got to get rid of them. And that is true. In fact, we have the liberty cause pointing out FBI, CIA, EPA, NSA, FDA, ATF, USDA. Those are all unconstitutional, and that is 100% true. So uh, at any rate, Proposal 3 is a huge equal protection violation, not to mention the, the problems that exist because those definitions not even being in there. So a big fat no, this, unlike Proposal 1, but mm-hmm. Proposal 2, Uh, You got to vote this way. I'm just going to put it that way. You got to vote in this particular way no on Proposal 3 in Florida because it is inherently violating of the U.S. Constitution and the earlier parts of the Florida State Constitution and it violates our inherent rights to equal protection under the law because why? Because government's responsibility is to protect our God-given liberties all right so um i have in here um i didn't have the um the wherewithal of the time or whatnot to put together for you in these slideshows um the text of even the summary of michigan proposals one and two but michigan uh proposal one is brought forth by voters for transparency and term limits now let me be clear I love the sound of that. Voters for transparency and term limits sounds amazing. Do we need transparency in government? Uh, Hell yeah. Do we need term limits? Some people disagree with me on this uh, from the conservative side of things, which I find um, alarming, actually. But yes, we need term limits because if you don't have stringent enough term limits, then it's more of Government, by the government, for the government. If you don't have strong enough term limits, that is what you have. So you have people like, I'm going to pick on Bill Shooty. We're both from the Midland area um, back in the day. But Bill Shooty, I believe, started as a state representative in Florida. I think he went to state senate. He served in something else. He then served as the attorney general for the state of Michigan. Then he ran against Whitmer in uh, the 2016. Yeah, 2016. No, 2020. What year? 2018.
0: 2018.
1: <laughs> I knew that didn't sound right. The 2018 uh, <laughs> gubernatorial elections against Governor Whitmer. And had it been Patrick Colbeck, he would have won. But anyway, um, so problem is with him is he's one of those career politicians. He moved from one to the other, to the other, to the other, to the other, right? He what? Where's his um, sense of um, giving back by you know, earning his own dime, so to speak, uh, on his own efforts in the private sector. Where's that sense of, it's government, of the people, not person, not limited few. This is not an oligarchy where we have a few people in power that just switch roles from one, you know, they term limit out of this and then go to this and then they go to this and then they go to this. It's all about political aspirations. Let's dash all those hopes and dreams of political aspirations. Let's get rid of the ability to keep serving in government more and more and more because it's not serving, those people are so disconnected from what the people really want and what the Constitution requires, those are the people that need to go. Every so often, you rarely have a situation where you have somebody who's really good at defending and supporting the Constitution who serves in one part of government, then another, then another, then another, uh, and they're lifelong at it. Okay, I guess those would be kind of the people that you might want, but that is exceedingly rare. And is not something that we would want to depend on. The more you have uh, an influx of new people in on, on boards and on um, uh, commissions and, you know, state legislatures and U.S. Congress and those kinds of things, uh, even state Supreme Courts, every single area of government, the more it's a an influx where you have people coming and going, new people all the time, the less the lobbyists are able to sink their teeth into those people. So term limits, yeah. And uh, I'll probably have the these slides in here um, in the Constitution Segment Recap uh, that we'll share, but just a little bit about what Michigan law says about elections. Um, this isn't specifically about term limits, but what I can tell you is that currently in the state of Michigan, because uh, we're talking about Michigan Proposal 1, which is about voter transparency and term limits. Um, what this the, the main things here are that they want to require uh, members of the legislature, the governor, the lieutenant governor, secretary of state, attorney general, to file annual public financial disclosures uh, that they're requiring the legislature to enact laws Um, with disclosure rules, at least as stringent as those that are required for members of Congress by federal law. Um, And then um, that's as far as the disclosure piece goes. So basically, they want to see a lot more disclosure of personal financials uh, for people who are in uh, government roles, which in general, I'm okay with. Now, the part that they're tying it to um, what's being done under federal law is irrelevant. And that kind of raises a few red flags for me because just like we saw in Proposal 3 for Florida, where you have terms that are not defined, referencing in a state constitutional amendment where you're referencing you know, current um, federal law, not constitution, but law, that could be changed at any point in time. What if it's not stringent at all? And and at any rate, you don't. It's those kinds of circular references are not. They're not good. If you want a certain kind of uh, financial reporting requirement there and instituted, then spell out exactly what you're looking for. Because people who run for office have rights too. Whether you run for office, whether you're in office, you still have rights as an individual. So you need to one of those rights is due process and uh, the rights to privacy and things like that. So you need to know before signing on the dotted line, so to speak, and running for office what you're you know what you're getting signed up for, how much of your personal information is required to be shared with the world just in order for you to run for that office. So the specifics really need to be in there in order for this to be good so i guess in that sense i was originally um thinking well it's it's not bad it could be better but no it is bad because it doesn't give enough specifics there now as to the term uh the term limit side of things what they're saying is that they're putting into place with this constitutional amendment proposal one in michigan this year they are wanting to set the the term limits for state reps and state senators to be um, 12-year total of combination. Now, currently in the state of Michigan, you can run for state rep three times for two-year terms. So that's six years you could be a state rep in Michigan. And in the Senate side, that you can run for two terms of four years or eight total years in the Senate. So you could serve for six years uh, in in the, the... uh, House of Representatives and uh, eight years in the Senate. So that would be 14 years of being in the state legislature. First of all, that's mind blowing. 14 years? That's longer than Mike and I have been married. And it feels like I've been with that man for an eternity. <laughs> so, uh, and he's not commenting today, as far as I can see. So he's uh, hes on my list, if you know what I mean. Hmm. Anyway, um, No, but it's 14 years is a really long time. So do you really want people in government for 14 years? It's just not a good idea. But what does this term limit thing do? Well, this proposal changes it only to 12 years. So you're cutting off two of the 14 years, big whoop. What is the point? What Literally, what is the point of jumping through all these hoops to get this on the ballot and to get it passed when it literally doesn't change anything? If you're going to put in some term limits, put in some stinking term limits. I would say definitely nothing more than a decade, probably less than that. But that's my own, my own thoughts on that. At any rate, um, I think there are significant enough issues that you need to vote no on Michigan's proposal uh one for that um in that sense of things um that is okay yeah sorry my bad i i was thinking these two slides were about this and i'm like how did i not talk about them yet these two slides are actually about proposal two so we may touch on this a little bit more next week i may have uh ryan kelly on i know he wanted to come back former gubernatorial candidate for the state of michigan Um, And he's fighting against proposals two and three that are currently on the Michigan ballot this year. Um, But I didn't have enough time to devote to just to proposal uh, two to have him on and and really talk in in full about this. But some, some of the bad things about proposal two. Now, this is not all. This is some. Uh, Proposal two, if, um, voted on and passed by the majority of voters in the Michigan and state of Michigan to amend this, the Michigan state constitution will lead to ID less voting. Uh, it will lead to state funded voting conveniences, state funded, and private election funding. Now, I left in this part. Um, here, uh, the slide from a prior presentation about what Michigan law says about elections, uh, and then there was actually the case, the um, uh, Antrim County case that um, Attorney General Candidate Matt DePerno started in November of 2020. And uh, there was some, uh, a Court of Appeals decision that came out that we, we discussed in, in one of our episodes uh, earlier this year. So these slides are just from that. But um, those state laws that were on the previous slide, what does it mean? Well, that means that voters in Michigan may request an audit of elections uh, done by the Secretary of State. Um, but then the, um, what the... <laughs> what the court said in this case was that but the secretary of state gets to choose how to run an audit choose what documents what ballots are even audited the secretary of state gets to train the county clerks and staff to conduct the audit and then the secretary of state gets to supervise the audit so it's totally in-house it's an in-house audit of an election that's what the uh, court of appeals case said in that situation so voters in michigan may request an audit of elections run by the secretary of state but the secretary of state does the audit of its own results. And of course we have that like, huh? Face.
0: Um, That's a perfect emoji.
1: (laughs) And uh, shared back then, if that doesn't seem quite right to you, then you're right because article two, section four, subsection two of the Michigan state constitution um, gives you some specifics about what the legislature is supposed to do. And it's the legislature that's supposed to guard against abuses of the elective franchise, to preserve the purity of elections. Yep. Anyway. Um, so oops, before I get there, I'm going to leave it at that, (laughs) that emoji for now. Um, so the problem though, and, um, this is where I was going to put in, I totally forgot that I was going to put in some of our, um, featured images that we had in our episode preview, uh, that we shared with you yesterday, and that will be shared in the segments later on this week. But those featured images were selected for a reason because the, um, the, first of all, let's go with ID voting. Is that a good idea? Uh, well, no, because if you don't even have to have an ID, ID to vote, then you're going to introduce a whole plethora of voter fraud issues. And, uh, it's, you know, if everybody has to jump through the hoops of registering to vote, then they're registering to vote at the place where you get your state ID from. Not to mention, there are many other ways that you can get valid state IDs. Um, So for example, when I lived in Michigan, I had my CPL concealed pistol license. I had uh, government issued IDs from, you know, the schools that I worked and did restorative justice facilitation in. Uh, I had an ID as the uh, Georgetown township trustee, Um, state Bar of Michigan. That one doesn't have photo uh, ID, but the rest of them did. So at any rate, um, there's many ways that you can get state IDs but if you're in the military, you know, those kinds of things. Um, But at any rate, this that's one of the problems of Proposal 2 is that if Proposal 2 passes, you no longer need an ID with you to vote. Um, Now, uh, state-funded voting conveniences, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, if Proposal 2 passes, it requires the state to pay for postage, which will cost Millions of dollars um, require the state to pay for postage for absentee applications and ballots. Ballots. So if there are, I don't remember the numbers, but um, I want to say there's roughly 7.3 million registered voters in the state of Michigan. If that number is still accurate, 7.3 million registered voters. And this amendment is saying we're going to require the secretary of state to send out for every election uh, absentee ballot application. So that everybody gets that piece of paper uh, so they can then apply to get an absentee ballot. And in here, it... um, It also says, though, that it has, this would provide the voter the right to a single application to vote absentee in all elections, but that does not mean that you would stop receiving the um, annual, essentially, um, uh, applications for absentee voting. Uh, At any rate, so that's, you know, if there's, say, a May election, and there's an April election, or excuse me, August election for primary, and then there's a, um, uh, a November election. That means three applications in a year get sent to each registered voter. That's over 21 million applications. Let's say only um, a quarter of them. So let's just roughly say 5,000 people, or excuse me, 5 million people Uh, are signed up then through that process to receive those absentee uh, voter ballots. So then that means you're sending at least uh, the 21 million, more than 21 million applications every year. And if only say 20% of people sign up, you're getting uh, 5 million per election, um, excuse me, it'd be 5 million per year. Uh, so you're looking at 26 million pieces of mail going out and let's just say it will round down to 50 cents a piece of mail. I know there's bulk mailing rates and there's different this and that, but at any rate, let's just say 50 cents a piece of mail for 26 million pieces of mail that would be going out in a year. That would cost $13.5 million in a year for the state of Michigan. I don't know about you, Lori. doesn't that sound kind of expensive?
0: Just a little bit, just a tiny bit.
1: (laughs) And state funded absentee ballot drop boxes. Uh. State funded absentee ballot drop boxes, okay? So, those are voting conveniences. Those are not rights. Those are voting conveniences. You have the right to vote. You don't have the right to vote in when and wherever you feel like it. Um, Aside from that, the other thing I want to point out to you, and this is why we're leaving this emoji up for most of this discussion, uh, the last thing about Proposal 2 in Michigan that I want to point out to you is that it would allow donations to fund elections. Yes, Zuckerbucks. And I had this perfect Washington Post, uh, you know, um, image of of Mark Zuckerberg and uh, him putting his money in a big ballot box, and uh, the the little caption or whatnot, the wording uh, at the bottom of that page talked about how yeah he's you know supposedly this third party neutral, this independent person coming in to to donate in this neutral manner, but they're targeting liberal areas only and with certain things going on, I'll just say. So even the, or was it the New York post? Was it the New York post, Washington post? I don't know. Anyway, one of the main, um, well-known, uh, media sources in the world, even they were coming out with, um, with that and, and recognizing the issues with that. So uh, that is a huge problem. That is something that would come out of proposal two is that you'd have special interest groups not just allowed to donate to fund election boxes but to fund elections in general. So to start propagating um, all this you know, misinformation about what you can do and not do uh regarding your voting rights. It's already happening in a lot of school districts and in other areas but it would get
0: exponentially worse. So and it and it wouldn't be limited to just Zuckerberg. No. It's just the example. So we're looking at pharmaceuticals, you know, especially that should be concerning for how much they've been profiting and, and Amazon, they'll they're gonna push whatever agenda, whatever vote they want, you know, they're gonna put all their money into that because that person's gonna then you know side with them. And, and it's it almost seems kind of like the open lobbying kind of thing that if if somebody's um, if a company is able to just throw money out for a specific person or for a specific election, topic then they're going to be able to benefit themselves you know in in one way or another it's it's a different form of lobbying and promoting somebody scary
1: so i just wanted to check on the comments i do have to say okay mr henry you're not as in 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 as much trouble as i otherwise thought because you were just uh following us on rumble before heading over to youtube that's fine um, So I want to close out today's presentation by coming back to that um, slide, which got all messed up somehow. True or false? As long as I fully read the official summary of each proposal on the ballot, I am informed enough to vote on them. So again, you can answer that still until ten o'clock tonight on Twitter, Telegram, LinkedIn, True Social, YouTube, and on our own website. Uh, so the answer to that, of course, being false (laughs) because the official summary of ballot proposals is still just that, a summary. If we expect our legislators to read bills before voting on them, then we must also read the full text of proposals before voting on them, right? I mean, come on, if you're conservative at all, if you're watching this show, certainly if you've hung on this long in the show then you're someone who has made fun of Nancy Pelosi's you-got-to-pass-a-bill-before-you-can-read-it kind of comment, right? Well, yeah, that's stupid and unconstitutional and a variety of other problems. We, as the people, as the voters, certainly have to hold ourselves to those same standards. You don't freaking vote on something if you're not going to read it. Don't just read the summary. Read the full text of the proposal. And again, look for those underlining marks, look for those all capital letters. In fact, I think with the Michigan one, yes, um, this Michigan one, this is uh, proposal uh, two, the, um, all the additions are in capital letters here, which it says right here, additions are capitalized, deletions are stricken. So um, that's that way here, but On those Florida ballot uh, proposals, those are, uh, the additions are underlined, okay? So, if you want any more information on this topic, please make sure to come back and join us tomorrow for our Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge post that we'll have on all of our social media platforms, uh, that Constitution Segment Recap that we will share on Thursday via video, as well as on our podcasting platforms. And uh, of course, our freedom, fri- freedom fighting tools on Friday. Woo! I do the alliteration for a reason, but some days uh, it's a little harder than others to say all those words. Uh, so please join us for all of those resources. But um, I've been, and still am, and still will be, <laughs> constitutional attorney Catherine Henry, and this is. Liberty, oh, oh, Lori! I have hidden by the comment I left up there. Oh, um, that's okay. <laughs> I'm hiding behind us, she's like. Hey. Um, and uh, this is Liberty, Lori. We thank you for joining us today. We ask you to help spread the word. We certainly ask you to hit that like button that uh, share, that subscribe, hit sign up to get notifications when we do go live, uh, help spread the word of uh, the links to our podcast, to all your friends and family and coworkers, et cetera, that uh, have one of those jobs where they can listen in on things, but they can't watch a whole presentation. Uh, but uh, of course, please consider donating to uh, the show that we do for you every week or to one of the smaller segments to our weekly newsletter. uh, And uh, consider having your business actually become an official partner and sponsor so we can help in turn, uh, turn around and get the word out about your business and what it is that you do, especially if it's related to restoring our freedom. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you all